Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I am editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post, and with me is our co-presenter, Ashley Mahoney. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Welcome back. It feels like it's been forever, but now has it even been a week? A week and a half, maybe? I don't know which month are we in. We're in August, right? Uh, Yes, this is August, and we are getting close to the best time of the year. Close to the best time of the year. The best time of the year is already underway. Well, if you're a high school kid, yes, (laughs) yes. But that's the start of football season. And football in the South means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But for us at the Post, it's the start of black college football season. And that is taking us to... Our guest for today, Mayor Talib. Welcome to the thank podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. So now I gotta ask. Yes, Mayor. Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was when I was in, in high school, uh, no, not really in high school, just throughout my younger hip hop life, if you will, uh, there was a group called the Diplomats, and I thought it was hilarious that they called themselves the Diplomats, and they had never been anywhere outside of Harlem, to my understanding, Harlem, New York, and so I was like, well, I want to have a uh, elected official type name and I thought that president or emperor or something like that was too pretentious and so I was like you know well, what about mayor you know what I mean but I've had a little trouble with that because some people refer to me as if my first name is mayor and I'm like no no no, no. Oh, this like is like it, my title right. my name is Tilly right like in, in yeah. black culture folks would name their children after authority figures yes captain like in Captain Munderland right or prince or whatever. My so, father, you know, has a, had a friend, guy rest his soul, named General, so I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, now, you didn't take that from Ossie Davis's character in Do the Right Thing. No, 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 I did not. I definitely did not. <laughs> the mayor! Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely didn't come from that. Okay, so, now, you are a hip-hop artist. Yes. You are a Charlotte native. Yes. You went to Independence High School. I did. And you are a former football player. I did, I did. I played at Independence uh, under, under Rusty Jester. It was a fantastic experience. Uh, really enjoyed my time with Independence. I played since I was little. Like, I played football in Winterfield and went on to Sedgefield Middle School and played football. I played my whole life. And then after my uh, freshman year at Johnson C. Smith, I realized that my 4-6 wasn't getting any faster and I wasn't going to make it in the NFL. So I was like, it's time to hit these uh, hit these books. Get that scholarship, man. Yeah, yeah. So I got, thankfully I got some money from Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University. and uh, That's family to the rest of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> October 3rd, 1887 is when we were founded, and I uh, had a fantastic experience there. Wasn't playing football, but heavily involved in student government, writing for both the newspaper and the magazine, and just really enjoyed my experience. So you were a journalism major at FAM? I was public relations, but it was in the Senate School of Journalism, so you had to take journalism classes. Okay. And I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you went hip-hop instead. Did the music anyway. You know, you got to follow your heart. You know what I mean? The heart is in your heart. You got to let it out. You know? So that's what I'm going to do. So what was it that led you to music as opposed to journalism, which, looking in hindsight, may have been the the right call all along? I just love the music. You know, I I always had a a song in my heart. I have um, just books and books and books sitting around my house, notebooks similar to the one that you have in front of you. I just write lyrics and write hooks and have melodies in my head. And I just say, I, I want to do this. Like, I just cannot imagine doing anything else. And so uh, it's very hard, especially as an, as an independent artist, you know, finding venues for your music, especially uh, with hip-hop. I mean, there are some, some locations here in Charlotte that are um, 
kind to hip hop artists, if you will, but they think that it brings a certain crowd and some of them don't want to do it or you got to put a lot of money up front. But regardless, it's, it's, it's a beautiful struggle and I really enjoy the music. So now, even though you're independent, does it mean you're unnoticed because right. you have a song that is now the theme to HBCU Game Day, mm-hmm. which uh, is moving to Aspire. It is, it is. Uh, starting with the opening of the HBCU football season mm-hmm. on that particular network. So you're national now. It's what fantastic. does that sound like? It's fantastic. You know, your first cable television placement on, on Aspire, September 7th, uh, is when the show premieres. Um, it's a combination of a lot of great things. You know, when you write this song, you just never know who's going to hear it, who's going to like it. Uh, in truth, I'm my harshest critic. I've written probably close to 100 songs that nobody would probably ever hear. Because I hated it as soon as I finished, you know, finished with it. But with this one, it felt really good. When I did it, you know, I, I know a lot about HBCU culture and HBCU football, so it was easy to write. So I was like, well, if people don't like this, they're just going to like HBCU football. Like, I was that confident enough about it. And thankfully, the good people at HBCU game, they like it as much as I did. And you talk about you know writing hundred songs that no one will ever hear because you're like ah no this this isn't it this isn't it but your album Catfish Are Delicious so many Charlotte references and you talk about going to Independence High School and the very first song is Mint Hill music yes it is but there are eleven songs on that album something about them had to stick what about those songs you're like yes these are the songs for album number one. I wanted to show my, thank you for recognizing that, I really appreciate that, you know, a, a lot of times people get so focused on the on the hook and the beat that the, the verses kind of just lose themselves, and so thank you for actually hearing lyrics, I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to show my diversity as an artist on the album. Uh, I feel like I could have made an entire album similar to Homecoming and Any Given Saturday, which is, which is what HBCU Game Day is using, but I wanted to show, hey, I can storytell, I can talk about having fun, I can be introspective, you know, I can be... You know, comedic. I could be a little arrogant when time when it needs to be, and uh, just to show my diversity and show that I can't be pigeonholed into a particular area. And uh, I think I recorded thirty songs for that album, so I technically have, and two of them I've used for other things or other artists' albums uh, for the most part. Um, but yeah, that probably won't see the light of day. I feel like I, I've grown as an artist. Uh, I sound different now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a beat the first time when I released that album, so now I got to get new album art and new promo <laughs> pictures and all that kind of good stuff. So that's in the past. Um, you know, maybe if I do this for twenty or thirty years or something like that, and they want to put out some other anthology or something like that, we can throw those songs in there. <laughs> Go dig in the vault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put some new unreleased tracks. And people, mm-hmm. people are into that these days. The deep cuts, as they call them. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we can put some deep cuts out there. But for right now, those are those are in the past. Which of the eleven, or which one specifically? Two thousand seventeen. Two years. Mm-hmm. Long time. Right. Which one's your favorite from that album? It would probably be the the Bojangles banging song. I think that's my that's my favorite song. I actually did some very illegal. Uh, I was flying my my drone uh, around the Bojangles at five o'clock in the morning where I shot the video. Uh, it was a video drone. It's a it's a, well, a DJI drone. Uh, pretty pricey, but I love it. It's my favorite toy in the whole world. And so uh, I flew it around and I was recording myself walking through the drive through. It's on YouTube. You can go check it out and see me. Uh, uh, flying my drone uh, around around the Bojangles in the morning, but it's my favorite chicken place. You know, it has been since I was a kid. I'm a true Charlotte team. Uh, I love I love Bojangles. That's the home squad, right? Yeah, you know, I love Bojangles. Um, video didn't come out as, as well as I would have liked. Cause I am not great at uh, chopping up video as, as I am in writing. 
Um, but this was part of the learning process when you're putting out an album. Mm-hmm. Any videos since then, like you see with the HBCU game, then was a lot better. Wiley did a great job with that one. So you, you've got these things going, mm-hmm. but with any given Saturday, obviously it's a it's an homage mm-hmm. to. HBCU culture, especially mm-hmm. HBCU sports. Uh, talk a little bit about black college culture mm-hmm. and specifically about black college sports because a lot of times people will toss that tag on it, small college, right, or right, right. it's not relevant in, a, in an age of BCS football. Mm-hmm. What is it about black college football that's special and should be recognized? I think a lot. I, th- I think that it's really still important to remember that there were a lot of times when, uh, you know, African-American or black people, just people of color, really couldn't even play at predominantly white institutions. You know, it wasn't until months later that we were even allowed, and so we only could go to HBCUs. And so to be able to uh, go to an institution where you can be around, you know, people who look like you and who are mutually supportive and understand a similar struggle is phenomenal. And even, even contemporarily, it has uh, a strong meaning. I mean, um, I know sometimes people think of it as as lesser. And while some of our HBCUs do have their issues, I'm not going to, you know, especially family who love them to death, we do have our issues. Don't we all? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a phenomenal institution that has produced a lot of great graduates and continues to produce a lot of great graduates. Um, I've had most of my family members either went to Johnson C. Smith or North Carolina Central. uh, And they met their, you know, husbands and wives there. Some of them played sports while they were in college. And uh, they brought me up on it. I mean, I was going on John C. Smith's campus as a kid. I was on Central's campus. I think I've been to every HBCU campus in North and South Carolina with the exception of Morris College. You've been, have you been to Morris? No, I, I can't say I've had that proof. I think it's in Sumter, South Carolina. It's the only one I haven't been to. The rest of them, I've been, I've been to, there. You know, and I think I'm with you. I think I've been to all of them. I've even been to Voorhees. Look at that. You See, know there you go. So, I think you Voorhees know, is in Arnberg. Or Denmark. Or Denmark, yeah, my dad's from Orangeburg. It was somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But but Orangeburg has two of them, so yeah. Yes, yeah, because they do have South Carolina (laughs) State as well, and Mm -hmm. then Claflin. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, HBCUs are are amazing. I wish that we had more outlets to get our our, our talents out there, but with HBCU Game Day moving to Aspire with with two different shows, I think that it's a fantastic start. Yeah. And so, talk about... uh, Black college football now. There have been some guys who have kept the tradition going. You know, back Mm -hmm. in the day in the forties and fifties, you know, if you were going to be a an NFL player, chances are if you were black, you were coming out of an HBCU. uh, Although schools in the north could produce African American athletes for that league, but uh, if you talk about guys like Darius Leonard Mm -hmm. uh, last year with the Colts. Rookie of the Year. Fantastic. Uh, all pro. You know, and a lot of times you hear people say, where did he come from? Right, you know, that kind right, of thing. Right. Is, is, that some, is that a point of pride or is that more of a thing of, there's more like him lying around if you just go check it out? I think there's definitely more like him lying around, as you would have said. Uh, It's just that most people only know what they are fed on a consistent basis. And so if you look at your ESPNs, your your Fox Sports, to a lesser extent, uh, uh, 
NFL Network gets into college football from time to time. Most of our HBCUs play on on the stream, so it's either ESPN three coming through, uh, you know, a stream, or sometimes an ESPN Classic. Like I know the Florida Classic, for whatever reason, has been on ESPN Classic the last few years, and everyone doesn't get those channels, and so they don't see it. You know, there was a time when there was no TV at all, right? It was just all radio. You only know who was on the radio. You know what I mean? And so uh, way before my time, but I know that it existed, and so it. it it would be great if we can get more avenues and more and get our HBCs on TV a lot more often. I know in the beginning of the season we do, we got the Miak Swag Classic. I think uh, Morehouse is playing in like a Hall of Fame game or something up in Canton on an early September. But after that, there are some lulls. Thankfully, the Miak and the Swag have an ESPN contract, and so they do have that weekly Thursday game. Um, but even then, all schools can't host those games because, I mean, they need that gate money. And having a game on a Thursday, Thursday. really cuts into your gate and everybody can't make it back. And all of, the, all of the institutions don't necessarily have the infrastructure to have cameras there in a way that it will make a, a visually appealing experience. Um, so, yeah, we really just need more out, more outlets to even be on TV, whether it be a stream or on, you know, traditional cable. And I think that... Part of the solution to that is going to be streaming going forward because mm-hmm. it looks like everybody's streaming something right, these right, days. Right. And so if the culture of streaming really catches on, then perhaps that's an avenue to open up HBCU sports and the culture to a wider audience. I think so. I think so. Especially with, I mean, I see that uh, you know, Disney Plus is coming up. You know, I think NBC is Bundled with Hulu. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that's going to be yeah, bundled with, I think, um, ESPN, I think all that called ESPN Plus. Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. ESPN Plus is coming as well. I think NBC Universal is trying to get theirs off the ground and DirecTV. So there's going to be a lot of cord cutting, if you will, competition. Hopefully, some of those in, in, in search for quality content will look out to HBCUs. You touch on having more TV exposure, more streaming exposure. What about just getting people in the gates? Well, I will say that for most of the time, um, what I've seen is that the MEAC and the SWAC have really high attendance uh, in terms of FCO and, and at the FCS level. They have really high attendance. The issue comes in the off season because people will go to the games and they will support homecoming and go to all the parties, but the giving in the off season isn't necessarily there, and that's what you need to build your nutritional programs and what you need to build your recruiting budget. You know, I have friends who have attended the University of Georgia, you know, Kirby Smart's out here spending $2 million going around the country getting all these five-star athletes. HBCUs could do the same thing if they had the money, you know what I mean? Some of these kids who, who Kirby may be pulling in, um, they don't even know HBCUs exist, mm-hmm. you know? It's just about exposure. Maybe there's no one in your ecosystem who can even tell you about these things. And or so, who's willing to tell you about Or it. who's willing to tell you about these things. And so, yeah, I think that attendance at most schools isn't necessarily a problem. Um, it's, it's more about uh, the offseason. And you, you touched on, we're obviously heavily talking about basketball. We're going to shift a little bit to, or not basketball, football. football yeah. Yes, but we're going to shift to the basketball side of things. Clearly, I have not had enough coffee today. We need to start doing some shots of espresso over here. But uh, when you touch on, you know, Charlatine, right. this is this is home. You were raised on HBCU culture. And then you right. look at someone like Amir Hinton. Right. Played for Shaw. Mm-hmm. Worked out here with the Hornets. Mm-hmm from Pennsylvania, was a transfer, and he touched on how he said, I'm not going, never going to go to an HBCU, everything that a kid in Philly is hearing about the culture. And he said, as soon as I was actually here, actually exposed to it, not the case at all. How does that ripple effect translate to the recruiting element, whether, you know, football, basketball, so forth? 
I think it can have a, a dramatic uh, uh, impact. I mean, Amir has talked about that to pretty much anyone who's asked him. And what's ironic about that is that before he transferred to Charlotte, he went to a really small school in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's like Shippensburg. Yeah. yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, so it's not like he went to some law, like he went to UNCC or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it wasn't like he was a 49er. Like he went to a school that was probably comparable in size mm-hmm. and, and, well, not in makeup, but in size as some of the CIAA and SIAC schools. And so it's unfortunate that he was, was, was told these things. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, you know, I think he said that Flip Murray, who's, you know, former Charlotte Hornet and Shaw grad, Shaw Hall of Famer, I think they, think they retired. CIAA Hall of Famer? Yeah, yeah. And they, I think they retired his jersey over at Shaw. Um, thankfully, someone from his hometown, if you will, at least his home area, uh, went to the school. And so he was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I wish we had more people who would who would do that, who would actually give it a shot and not just rely on uh, what other people say. How, how much of a difference do you think it makes growing up in the culture versus whether you're coming in from the outside or whatever the case may be? I think that growing up in the culture determines almost everything. I mean, it's really hard to be dramatically different than how you were raised and the people who you're around growing up. Like, I think about that all the time in terms of whether it be faith or, you know, I mean, socioeconomic status or even teams that, like, for example, like, I grew up a Panther and a Warrant fan. Like, I can't even imagine being anything else. But they're like... People growing up in Kansas City who can only imagine being Chiefs fans. And that blows my mind to think about it. Ever want to play for the Chiefs? You know, like like the Chiefs. You know, that's insane. <laughs> but I mean, you're you're, you're who you Kansas are. City, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what everybody liked. And so we need more people who went to HBCUs to continue to promote them to the younger generations and those who may not have gone, but who are advocates to continue to, to tell people that hey, this is a viable option. It may not be for everybody, but nothing is. You know? Yeah. yeah. Or to quote. The president of the United States. What do you have to lose? <laughs> there we go. What do you have to lose, right? Transfer rates are high these days anyway, apparently. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so now you, when you talk about uh, athletes, you played at Independence mm-hmm. with the CJ League. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played at Smith during, you know, a, a period. It wasn't the best time, time, but we had a good time. We had a good and time. The, and that's the point of college, to have a good time. <laughs> right. But in in your travels, and I know you've seen your share of HBCU football. Right. Who's the best HBCU player you've seen and or heard of? Man, put me on the spot here. I wasn't prepared for this question. Let's see here. Who That's is? what we do around here. We're journalists for Pete's sake, all three of us. Wow. I feel like I have to, as a Florida A&M graduate, I have to say a Rattler, so... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Quinn Gray. He was a Quinn quarterback. Gray. Yeah. Quinn Gray was a quarterback at at FAMU. Went on to play a few years mm-hmm. um, in the NFL, primarily for uh, Jacksonville and Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he played for both of those. Uh, was playing for Billy Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, put up some big numbers. Yeah, with the Gulf Coast offense. Yes, yes, yes. lots of quick passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's the best one you've ever seen, or who's the best? Ever to come out, and we're talking about all time, all time since 1892. Since 1892, <laughs> then I would say, then I would have to go with uh, with Jackson State's uh, Payton. I would go with Payton. Walter Payton. I would go with Walter Payton. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I would have one. to say Walter Payton. It's hard though. Like it's, it's very hard. That's would, like uh, trying to pick the brightest star in the, you know I mean? in the firmament. The, you know, I'm a, I'm a sweetness fan. He's the man. Yeah, I, I like him. Uh, a lot. Yeah, that's, like a, that's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I see. You, now, did you play on offense at Smith? 
I did. I play a wide receiver at Smith. Okay, yeah. well, I can tell you, no Jerry Rice. I do. I do like Jerry Rice. I do like Jerry Rice a lot. But I was on the spot, you know what I mean? So you just told me I had to think something. So yeah. But, but I see, but I see you're, you're picking all these offensive guys. Oh yeah, it was going to be somebody on offense. It definitely wasn't going to be anybody on defense. Oh okay, okay. It was going to be an offensive guy. I got to at least look out for my side of the ball. Okay. So uh, yeah. so, so now I I can tell, uh, you know, and obviously we're going to do a generational gap here mm-hmm. because I know you've got guys out there who are like from the kind of like the '90s on right, as, right, as right. your picks, you know. But now, if you want to go really old school, I'm going to throw some names out there. and Maybe you've heard of them. All right, all right. And, and they're defensive players. Okay. Deacon Jones. All right, all right. The, the man who invented the sack and the head slap, which is now illegal. Yeah, it's definitely super illegal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, Willie Lanier who revolutionized the position of middle linebacker, mm-hmm. you know, because back in those days, black athletes, you talk about the bias against black athletes as quarterbacks. There was also the bias in the, back in those days against black athletes as center and middle linebacker, mm-hmm. because those guys were quarterbacks on the offensive line right. and, def- and defense. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. You know, Willie Lanier was Luke Keekley before Luke Keekley. Right, right. You know, Morgan State grad. So, you know, just to throw that, we're going to go jump in the time machine and go wave. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) Some great picks. Yeah, but I mean, but I'm just saying, those are guys that in an era when a lot of times we have recent bias. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, the last thing I saw is the thing that I'll go with. Right. You know, just to throw out some of those old timers who, you know, some of them are no longer with us, like Deacon Jones, but other guys like, Willie Lanier, great player uh, with the Chiefs that you disparage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to the Chiefs. You know what I mean? They got some great colors. A little like Hickory, right? Hickory High School of the same colors, like that orange and red or something like that. <laughs> but now, in, in terms of in terms of your music, you know, obviously you're going to get national airplay starting Man. in September with Aspire. Fantastic. What's next for you? I mean, as an independent, are you? You, know, I'm sure you have aspirations. I do, I do. It's it's hard because it's one of those things where where in the music where everyone it feels like everyone does hip hop. It's like with the advent of Instagram, everyone's a model. You know what I mean? Everyone uh, thinks they're a journalist. Uh, lots of people have podcasts. You know what I mean? It's just it's including lot. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a rapper. Lots of people. Lots of people rapping. So uh, yeah, I get it. Um, I would like to release an EP uh, in in January. I'm currently working on songs for it. Uh, I'm going to call it the Flat Pillow Poet. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, I have lots of flat pillows in my house. Uh, so, um, and I write my best songs on flat pillows. And so there we go. So that's, where, that's one of the weird artistic things that I have going on. And so I'm going to hopefully release that album. It'll be short because in this streaming era, although I wish people would buy albums as much as they don't. So in the streaming era, you have shorter songs and shorter projects. So it's not going to be any longer than five songs. And uh, they'll all be upbeat and I'm experimenting with with some different beats and some different uh, deliveries, and which is why the old music is not going to make it onto this one. And I'm just moving forward. So hopefully, I'll have that out in in January or February. It really just depends on whether or not I can get these visuals done, because um, I want to have a video for every song, which is also important. Do you ascribe to the recent theories and studies that songs, if they're less than three minutes, they will be played more often? 
That is why I'm told by um, people who curate playlists and things that that is the case. That um, the shorter your songs are, that the better, better off that they'll be. So we're thinking like traditional songs may have been intro, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then I hadn't have many choruses mm -hmm. until the song fades out. Now we even starting with curse, you know, with chorus, verse, chorus, verse chorus and that's it you know very short almost back to like when Aretha Franklin was recording songs the 45 songs. Yeah. RPM yeah. it's like okay what is that Sorry, I remember listening to some songs from like the 50s and 60s just trying to find samples and I was like these songs are two minutes like mm -hmm. we're paying like money for these two minute songs and look here we are right now yep. uh, yes the shorter the songs the better so none of these songs are going to be longer than I don't know if I can get under two minutes that's a bit that's a bit ambitious that's that's not a song. Like, that's a soundbite. Right, a, it's, it's an interlude. It's a yeah, skit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, I, can, I, but I remember it. It's like, okay, we're on a 45. <laughs> if you're talking about three minutes and 12 seconds, you know, it's like, okay, well, hey, you know, that's the Motown era. You know, and right. that's the way the music industry was before we hit the disco era and you had these, you know, these long playing singles right, that right. were played in the clubs and, you know, one of my favorites, Marvin Gaye's Got to Give It Up. That rascal was like 15 minutes long. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, like you got to work out just by listening <laughs> to this dude. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. But yeah, that's that's the real thing. So I'm going to show all this. All this song, none of them will be long. As of right now, the longest one is three minutes and 27 seconds. That's a, it's a good amount. Yeah, I think so, right? I, Let me know if it's not because I'll cut it down if I need to. Oh, yeah. Like, I come at it from a, yeah, the perspective of, you know, a fitness instructor, and they talk about teaching to the beat and everything being right. like, okay, if you have someone doing squats for three minutes and you try to throw a four or five minute song at them, they're going to start looking at you like, what? So, and you're saying right. everything's going to be upbeat. I think I'm, I'm hearing some new things to add to the playlist. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'll make sure you get a copy. Yeah, Fabulous. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay, well. Tlaib, Mayor Tlaib, the mayor. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us for Sports Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And uh, much success with Thank everything you. going Thank forward. You. And congratulations. Uh, any given Saturday. Now you can hear it every Saturday. You know what I mean? It's going to be great. Y'all make sure I check that out. Make sure Time Warner Cable and what we have around here, Spectrum, Dish. I think they all Direct have Direct TV now. Direct TV. Well, I check Aspire. Put your, put your zip code into Aspire. See if you got it. If you don't got it, make sure you call them and say, hey, I need Aspire. And tell them to leave sent you. Yeah, tell them to leave sent you for whatever that means. Probably nothing, but tell them anyway. It'll help me get some promo. So I appreciate that. So now what's the best way for folks to keep up with you? I have a website, MayorTalib.com. You can check that out. And I'm at MayorTalib on Instagram and Twitter. Please follow me. All that kind of good stuff. I'll, I'll be keeping you up to date on everything that's going on in my, in my music and personal life. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. And thank you for listening to Sports Charlotte. And Ashley is going to do the disclaimer du jour. Disclaimer. Is there enough coffee for the disclaimer? Please ready? have enough. <laughs> Y'all think Gulp. I'm always kidding about that. <laughs> I'm not kidding about the coffee before the disclaimer. It's a real thing. All right, ready, set, and here we go. Make sure that you are subscribed on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you are checking us out on our newest collaboration with Queen City Podcast Network and make sure that you check out all of the fellow podcasts over there because we're checking out sports, but they're checking out so many other things. But in the meantime, every Thursday... Make sure you pick up a good old-fashioned copy of the print edition, or if you're not in town, you can subscribe. You can head over to thecharlottepost.com for all the stories, or you can head over to the Charlotte Post newspaper 
www.thepodcastmag.com where you can see the actual digital edition. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, Instagram at the Charlotte Post, Twitter at the Char Post, like us on Facebook, the Charlotte Post, head over to Snapchat and add us for behind the scenes, post-game interviews, locker room fun stuff, all the great things that come with football season, the Char Post. And until next time, I'm Ashley Mahoney. And I'm Herb White with the mayor. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. We saw the champions, we saw the bands, we saw the cheerleaders, we saw the fans. They say on any given Saturday it's possible to win. So let's talk about the season from the start to the end. We saw the champions, we saw the bands, we saw the cheerleaders.